I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for bullshit pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me, people like you, wish I could just wake up and it not be true, but it is. Oh, it is living in the new world with an old soul. These rich men, north or rich men, Lord knows it all. Just wanna have total control. Wanna know what you think. Wanna know what you do. And they don't think you know, but I know that you do. All right, welcome to podcast. 143 of the Texas Hip Show. I'm Russell Dowden, publisher, editor for the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. We're bringing our 143rd show to you this week here on the podcast. And that is my uh, producer Carl's 100th show with us because he came aboard on uh, episode 43, I think, last year or two years ago, probably. Thank you, Carl, for sticking around with me for over a hundred for a hundred episodes this week on the show. And Rachel, I don't know where you're at on these uh, I'm numbers. Honestly, not sure because <laughs> I also am not on every single show. So, but you did come aboard the Texas Hemp Show maybe in July or August of last year. Yeah, because it's been a year, like chronologically. You, you were with us at the. When we, I know for sure. The so, cannabis roundup in Dallas. Yes, that's right. Cannabis yeah, roundup. That so. was early on for yeah. sure. So. Well, let's uh, jump real quick to my first guest. I'm going to be talking with Jay McGuire. Jay's going to give us an update kind of on uh, this uh, recent uh, uh, hearing that we just had. So let's bring in Jay McGuire from the Texas Hemp Federation. I want to get to him quickly and uh, and then get him on. We'll, we'll have our, our next guest, uh, Ray, will be on from the Hemp Building School. But, uh, Jay, t- uh, tell us what's going on, my friend. Well, I think, you know, it's been a long a long uh, awaited hearing in the uh, third district court of appeals. That's right. Uh, this, uh, this hearing was um, <clears throat> uh, about whether or not the district court uh, had the, the proper jurisdiction to rule the way it ruled, or even to hear the, hear our case. Um, uh, the case is uh, styled uh, sky marketing versus Hellerstat, but the Texas Hemp Federation was one of the original plaintiffs. Um, uh, you you re- might remember um we testified uh, that the DSHS, when it manufactured that rule, uh, rescheduling um, Delta-8 onto the schedule of controlled substances, it did not provide us with notice of public hearing. That was my testimony. There are other aspects of the, of the, uh, the arguments that were uh, made by other people. And I just talk about the one thing I know about, because I don't want to be accused of practicing law without a license, and tell you that my job as uh, one of the leaders of an advocacy organization would be to pay attention to what the agency or any state agency that might make a rule uh, impacting our stakeholders. My, my job would be to make sure that we are prepared for that and that we show up mm-hmm. uh, and bring witnesses and make our arguments. We were denied that opportunity uh, because the commissioner, uh, Hellerstedt, um, did not provide us with adequate public notice of any kind. And the notice that they did give, um, which was an objection to the federal uh, rescheduling um, uh, at, 
DEA, I don't want to get too far afield because I'm always very confused about what it was he was objecting to, but the thing he provided notice about, provided us with notice about, was not the thing that he actually did in the commission. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, r- remind you that they had a, the commission had a, a six-minute Zoom hearing with no witnesses. Um, this impacted everything in uh, every, every company that manufactures hemp-derived products. So, obviously... We would all have shown up. We would have brought our um, our organic chemists. We would have brought our policy experts. We would have brought medical doctors. We would have brought consumers. And I think that the re- that is the reason why this was done so surreptitiously. Uh, it fits in with kind of a pattern mm. of the state not really wanting to take on the the vast public interest behind uh, cannabis. Uh, and uh, you know, unfortunately uh, for um, DSHS, though, you can't make rules like that. And so we, we sued <clears throat> the, the team, uh, the legal team uh, that, that uh, filed the initial lawsuit is still working. But the, the argument, uh, sorry, is still working on the case. The argument was made uh, uh, in this court, the third district court of appeals by uh, Amanda Taylor. Um, and her, her, her main arguments, I think, that touched on my aspects of this more basically that the commission violated um, the the 2019 act itself and the procedures that they uh, utilized uh, to pass this regulation or the rescheduling was also a violation of of Texas law. I think that from what I heard, the three judges or justices, um, Chief Justice Byrne, Justice Triana, and Justice Theophanis, I think their questions and their comments seemed to indicate to me that of course, while this this uh, this hearing was specifically about jurisdiction, and you heard the state's uh, attorney Clay Watkins talk a lot about that. Obviously, we we're going to bleed into the the um, the material issues of whether or not this is something that should be okay or not should be okay. Um, Delta eight is one of the THCs. There are several, and one of the things that seems to be a theme these days, Russell, and this is super important for people to hear, is that state entities, law enforcement in particular, seem to be relying on the notion that there's one kind of THC and that THC is illegal in amounts over a certain amount. Yeah. And so let me tie this to um, the the cases that we've been working on to try to help people out. Um, Rio uh, CBD down in Harlingen in particular, uh, his Delta 8 products were seized by Harlingen PD they are looking at the certificates of analysis from the laboratories uh, that say that it is a compliant product to us because we know what we're looking for. When we see Delta-8 THC below 0.3%, Delta-9 THC either unrecognizable or below 0.3%, those are in the legal category. That's right. When you add up all the different kinds of THC, though, um, even though the only ones that really matter are eight and nine, when you add them all up and you've got total THC of an amount above 0.3%, that's where things get confusing. I think that one of the comments I noticed <clears throat> towards the end there is the Chief Justice Byrne seemed the light bulb seemed to go off in her head. Law enforcement have traditionally relied on the, the, the term THC to refer to all of it. And so you look at uh, publications that come out of the National Institutes of Justice, for example. There's an article just recently published in Police Chief Magazine. Um, there is one. 
That's how they, <laughs> they their trade association or their 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 uh, industry org mag, kind of like you know what you publish, Russell mm-hmm. for us. Mm-hmm. Um, they're referring to THC. Nowhere do you see a differentiation between that, which means marijuana delta nine, to them, and delta eight. So, I think. Um, so they don't have that. They don't even have that in their own publication. Uh, the distinction, Jay. That's correct. Um, and I'll actually send you a link to this this thing I found, this police chief magazine, because it explains why when yeah. law enforcement officers on the scene are looking at a COA, they're not seeing what we're seeing. They're, they're seeing total THC, and they think THC has got to be below 0.3% no matter what. They're not looking at the, uh, the, the different variants, the different isomers. And I think that that kind of touches on what's going on with this case. What did you think of bit. what did you think of the hearing in the whole and way, the way the three justices? I watched a good two thirds of this on the YouTube pa- panel, uh, channel for the District Court of Appeals YouTube that was sent out on some emails. I was privy to get that link during the week over the weekend, and uh, I, I felt rather optimistic from judging from their body language and their inquiring, their questioning of of both sides. Did, what was your takeaway of just kind of the reaction from the the judges panel in that that testimony the other day? So you know, I don't have any. I don't have a crystal ball for you. I'll tell you that. <laughs> What I was told when I was being prepared for testifying in the, in the district court hearing was that one of the things we had to show in order for uh, the district court to have jurisdiction was that we uh, uh, stood the, uh, a real risk of harm um, and that that was uh, an immediate and real. So immediate harm basically means that we were arguing that we could be arrested um, uh, we argued that it was in the uh, it was brought up today uh, in, in uh, attorney uh, Clay Watkins brought that up and he sort of so, somewhat dismissively. I think the fact that it's actually happening. Yeah. Right. You've got guys, like, Trevor. guys like Trevor Kohulian mm-hmm. and there are others guys like, uh, you know, in pre- prior to him, um, uh, Hunter Robinson up in Sky and Hobbs. Yeah, that's actually happened. Mm-hmm. So the evidence is there plain to see. And if the court is ruling based on that as a jurisdiction to prove that we have the right to that, that court had proper jurisdiction, we pled in the right court and for the right reasons, I think we're fine. Um, I don't know uh, what other considerations that, that they might have. And that would be a great question for some of the lawyers, by yeah. the way. And, and it, as I'm writing the next couple of weeks, I'll, I'll uh, definitely be seeking some commentary from them. My guest, Jay McGuire from the Texas Hemp Federation, joining us, uh, commenting, of course, on the um, uh, recent hearing that was yesterday morning. It just I've got about a minute and a half with you, but I, I, can you get Trevor to come on the show and talk and, and give, maybe give us some insight on what his experience has been? I. I, I have spoken to Trevor before, and I know who he is. And I, I actually used to live in Harlingen. I know the Rio Grande Valley very well down there, and uh, I think it'd be good to maybe have him come on and tell his story as well. I'll tell you what we so we we have been able to to get an attorney retained for him. It's um, a former uh, di- uh, county judge Gilberto Hinojosa. He was also mm-hmm. uh, formerly the, the state Democratic uh, uh, mm-hmm. Party chairman. Which is how a lot of people outside of the valley know him. Yeah, I know the name. Couldn't ask for couldn't ask for a better lawyer, mm-hmm. uh, a more laid back, reasonable, understanding kind of guy. Um, and I 
absolutely happy to ask them to come on. I don't know what um, Gilberto's advice would be as, as the attorney representing Trevor would be about having uh, public appearances, but I uh, absolutely at a minimum would tell you that we can get people in the same situation uh, who are out of legal jeopardy to talk about this, uh, yeah. the, the same, the same issues. Well, um, it's, 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 a, it looks like an unfortunate case of like misunderstanding a yeah. lot and lack of education. And that's, that's what we're going to focus on is educating law enforcement the best we can. Well, hopefully we can but, get some more education to these smaller, you know, law enforcement communities where this continues right. to unfortunately happen, where legal product is being seized by law enforcement for, you know, for the wrong reasons. And so hopefully this mistake will get uh, cleared up, but please let, uh, Hinojosa and Trevor know that uh, the the extended opportunity is there for them to come on. I could have them on on the 28th of September if they're open to that idea. Uh, but That's great. Um, thank you, Jay, for this uh, brief update here. You are working on an article for the magazine. You want to plug what you've got cooking for that? Sure am. I've got, I've got two, two articles cooking. The first one, of course, is like uh, a reprise of uh, how this hearing went and put that in the context with the district court ruling. You know, who knows when we're going to hear from the appeals court, but uh, I'm hoping to have a, a well-sourced uh, article for you. And so it's not just Jay talking out of his uh, <clears throat> hat. And uh, <laughs> the other thing that I'm really interested in, in, in writing about is how advocacy works mm-hmm. uh, when you've got a new and emerging industry and all these competing interests and people who need to have their voices heard don't necessarily know how to go about it. What kind of organizations you want to be a member of. Uh, and uh, what those organizations' obligations are to you as a member. Yeah, I think that's important. And I had a great conversation with you earlier today here off the air today, uh, kind of talking about, talking about that a little bit as well. But thank you, Jay, for the update. Uh, chime in anytime, my friend. Uh, keep us posted, and we appreciate your contribution to everything you do, buddy. Much appreciated, folks. Have a great night. All right, there he goes, Jay McGuire. Check him out at the Texas Hemp Federation. You can check him out on his Facebook page as he's redoing the website right now. So that's moving over from, I think, uh, .com to an, uh, .org or vice versa. But he's working on that. But uh, we'll continue our conversation up next with uh, Ray Cotillary of the uh, HIP School for HIP Building and a co-founder down there. We're going to be checking in with Ray after this. This is the Texas HIP Show podcast number 143 this week. We'll be right back. Sweet Sensi, known as the original Texas Rosin Company, presents another year of bringing the hemp industry and the people of Texas together to celebrate all things cannabis at their Texas Hemp Harvest Festival. The Sweet Sensi brand, known as the best true full-spectrum organic gourmet candy manufacturer in Texas, has been selling out the Texas Hemp Harvest Festival for the last two years. This year's festival holds two days of elevated cannabis experiences on November 3rd and 4th, downtown East 4th Street at Distribution Hall, showcasing hemp and art vendors from all around the state and features on stage top reggae artists like 10-Foot Ganja Plant, Sister Nancy, Josh Heinrichs with Skillinja, Pacifier, and Austin's own Mau Mau Chaplains. Sponsorships available to companies interested in showcasing their brand to the large audience. Buy your tickets and inquire about sponsorship and vendor spots at TexasHempHarvestFestival.com. 
CannaZip Custom Cannabis Packaging, your brand, your way. Flexible packaging pouches are perfect for a variety of cannabis CBD products, such as flour, concentrates, edibles, joints, hard goods, and more. Now offering completely custom bags, boxes, labels, and shrink sleeves with more products rolling out in late 2023. CannaZip bags have been stress tested by Bella Costa Labs for excellent THC, terpenes, and potency preservation. A variety of eco-friendly options for sustainable packaging solutions. We offer custom printed packaging turnaround time in as little as 24 hours with approved art on selected products. Custom pouches to make your brand stand out. These bags are made from high barrier materials and comply with FDA regulations for direct food contact, featuring no minimum order quantities on most items. Try our stand-up pouch or lay-flat pouch for fast and easy online ordering. Visit CannaZipBags.com today. That's CannaZipBags.com. Or email us at orders at CannaZipBags.com. That's CannaZip, custom cannabis packaging. Hemp-derived cannabinoids such as Delta 8 and others are once again under threat in the Texas legislature. But Hometown Hero, a supporter of the Texas Hemp Show, is leading the fight to keep these products legal and available for adults 21 and older in the Lone Star State. Based in Austin, Hometown Hero is known for its specialty hemp-derived products, which have garnered recognition from High Times Magazine and have earned over 3,000 five-star reviews and counting. With their gummies, cereal bars, sour belts, and more, Hometown Hero offers new and novel experiences while donating to nonprofits helping U.S. veterans in need. If you're curious to try premium hemp products from the people leading the fight for hemp in Texas, you can get a 20% discount on all Hometown Hero products by using code THR20 at hometownherocbd.com. That's code THR20 at hometownherocbd.com. Hey, this is Tommy Chong, and you're listening to the Texas Hemp Show. The Texas Hemp Report is available free at over 1,000 CBD and smoke shops across Texas. McAllen, Houston, Austin, Dallas, Lubbock, and San Antonio. Texas lawmakers will be in session this year to improve or alter laws on cannabis products. So stay tuned and informed this legislative season with the Texas Hemp Show podcast and the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. Would you like to host the Texas Hemp Show podcast in your business or special? Event, now booking live broadcast from your location with our new demo vehicle, the Texas Green Machine. Email Russell at Texas Hemp Reporter at gmail.com. Now back to the show with your host, Russell Dowden. Like the pine trees lining the winding road. I've got a name, I've got a name Like a singing bird in the croaking toad I've got a name And I carry it with me like my daddy did But I'm living the dream All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. This is podcast number 143 this week here on the Texas Hemp Show. Rolling me down the highway 
a good update there to get from Jay as well as often as he contributes once in a while. And uh, so we wanted to get him to get some feedback what he thought on this uh, recent hearing. But uh, joining me this week on the program live from on location, I think uh, uh, Ray Kaderly from the uh, co-founder from the Hemp Build School is joining us on a job site, I believe. Uh, welcome to the Texas Hemp Show, Ray. Uh, how are you, my friend? Oh, Russell, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And yeah, we're on the job site sitting in the parking dog or uh, something going on, but uh, but we're just winding down for the day and getting ready to put away tools. We actually had uh, a, a guest, uh, as per normal, we have a lot of folks that come out here and just want to see what we've got going on. And so that's no different today. Well, thank you for jumping on the show with me. I had you actually scheduled tomorrow, but we had some shuffling with some of my staff and we just needed to get it done a day earlier. So I appreciate you. Uh, helping us out with that and, and coming on to, uh, and spending a little bit of your evening here with us. But, you know, Ray, we've got to get a little story. I'm going to have Rachel or Jay or uh, one of my writer, good writers to do a story on you. I don't know. You've Has he been in the magazine before? Have you been featured in the magazine yet at, at this point, Ray? I, you're at all these events that we're at. I don't know if we've... I'm not sure. I don't think we have <laughs> profiled you yet. You're darn near at everything. Were you and your wife at the... Uh, uh, Dallas event at the Roundup recently? In Dallas, uh, we had the cannabis so. I Roundup. Um, I didn't know if y'all, got... I didn't know if y'all made it to the cannabis Roundup up there a couple of weeks ago in uh, mid-August. Yeah, we were. No, we were in Noco, and then uh, over the past two weeks, I went from uh, from here to South Dakota to Nebraska to <laughs> Canada. So, um, my, uh, got some well-traveled. Uh, suitcase <laughs> we haven't seen you we hadn't made it in the in the dallas that that was more for i think cbd kind of stuff you know last week we had frank chef on the show uh, uh to talk about uh, an article that he oh, had yeah. on yes yeah, so frank was on and i thought it was cool we we want to get more of, of the building side on and uh maybe you could send an email to henry i'd like to get maybe henry on the show as well to this is a this is a part of this space that sometimes Frankly, Ray, we kind of overlook it, um, but the building side of this is really growing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Now that things are possible and they're becoming more possible every day uh, because the supply chain is maturing, uh, the workshops that I was called on to do uh, up in South Dakota was for a, a processor that takes the raw material where it looks like a hay bale into what comes on our job site as a building material. Um, they were having their grand opening and uh, putting everything in motion. And then we were up there uh, building out some walls for them and doing a, a demo as well as uh, some things that were actually used in their, uh, in their manufacturing. Uh, Hempcrete is an excellent sound barrier and we built them some walls around a noisy hammer mill that uh, made it nicer for workers in that area. I'm curious, um, you know, to, if you could tell us a little bit about the event that you did with Lucas from Texas Hemp Processors back in June. Um, that I wasn't a part of that uh, one, but I do know that they were building out some uh, demonstration things. And okay. um, I know that the Pozzolan and the minerals that were coming up, uh, Lucas is a great guy. He's a young farmer that's coming on. And then they've got their processing coming on and is a great example of what is taking place in the supply chain. So you've got more farmers growing it, more acreage under cultivation, more processors able to take that product, that raw material, 
into a finished good. And then, uh, you know, there's a, there's a handful that are coming on uh, in the state of Texas alone, let alone in the U.S. You know, local used to mean simply uh, w- within the continental U.S. Uh, now local is, is truly in this area, and he's a good example of that. Nice. I'm curious, like, how you got involved in this space. Yeah, and so uh, it's a great example of just uh, everybody's got their story of how they went down the rabbit hole, how they uh, were <laughs> we? heard about Very it, true. became interested, <laughs> became more interested. And then uh, and so I've been dwelling at the bottom of the rabbit hole and we're just busy bunnies. that keep on digging, uh, but it's a fun place to be. Uh, my background is a real estate broker and investor. And so we were doing this scenario of building houses to hold as rental properties and then uh, I was looking for things that were both uh, quality materials and efficient because both of those long-term are money in my pocket. So I was brutally pragmatic about the whole process and the decision-making. Now, uh, in a previous lifetime, I did have a regional recycling facility for organics and compost and wood waste. So I was very familiar with uh, the natural environment uh, and the stewardship of it through um, what we can grow versus what we manufacture. And so um, I had also done enough fix and flips to know the problems that I was fixing uh, that were built with new materials that were going to be bad in 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make a house that would truly last that longer period of time. And so uh, my background in recycling uh, with the, the natural materials, my background as a real estate broker and investor doing fix and flips, Uh, not liking what I saw, not liking the building material uh, choices that I had led me to learn more about this. Now, I've always enjoyed business uh, patterns and new opportunities. And the, uh, the, the farm bill in 2018 was like the doors opening to an all you can eat entrepreneurial buffet. And it's, it was quite overwhelming, all the different opportunities. It's like we discovered trees, cotton, and wheat all in one plant, all at one time. <laughs> and so now what do we do? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, and that's not even mentioning the cannabinoids. That's just the fiber grain side of it. And so uh, it, it's very exciting. Um, it's almost too broad for a lot of folks that come into this space. It's good yes. to narrow down your your focus, and that's what I did. I just stayed in my lane yeah. uh, and got deeper and deeper into the construction side of it. And so I really enjoy it. Well, I think we should too. I think we need to get a cover with you on the magazine or something like that down the road here, Ray. If uh, if you would be open to that, because you know, for the three years that we've been doing the magazine. Uh, you know, we've covered a bit, a bit of this in topic in the magazine, but we've never dedicated a cover to the building side. And I think we owe that community uh, the coverage of, of this. Do you, is Bob Esther still part of the, the National Hemp Builders Association? I interviewed him on one of our very first podcasts that we ever did uh, three years ago. I don't know if Bob's is Bob still around. Um, I'm not sure. I've been focused on our job site. And like I said, I've been a, a bit of a blur in the, uh, you know, starting the school and then uh, these whirlwind of workshops that I've been doing. And so I'm not sure. Well, I just didn't know if uh, you're, I was watching a video of you here with the, you had your, your hemp builders association shirt on and uh, Bob was the founder of that um, two years ago. I don't know if he's the executive 
director any longer, but those those um, individuals last a few years every time. Yeah, and they're I, they're still active. Uh, yeah, him and his son Alex. I was uh, yeah. Uh, we had a chance to convene and, and talk, and so I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. I know Alex is uh, active in some of the uh, um, environmental controls and the. Um, I'm not sure exactly what it is on the processing side where they um, they control the uh, the processing elements as far as uh, oh within the facility uh, more or less and so um, but uh, great people uh, great leadership roles in getting things in motion and then they've handed the baton off to me now I'm serving as the president to uh, that organization in a leadership capacity and we're very excited to do that and you guys are doing the most important thing in the whole industry right now, and that's telling the story. Mm -hmm. And so what we need is to tell the story and tell it more and tell it more so that, uh, you know, everybody enjoys uh, the Scooby and Shaggy jokes about what happens if the house catches on fire, da 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 <laughs> I don't mind those jokes at all because it's a segue into a conversation, and then it's always fun uh, to, uh, you know, I usually have some small samples set up that we can try to set on fire, and uh, we can usually get our hempcrete samples up to around 800 degrees with a torch, and they don't set on uh, get caught on fire. And they're only about three and a half, four inches thick. And you can hold your hand on the other side where it's 800 degrees on one side, and it's comfortable on the just ambient temperature on the other side. So it is a dramatic scenario. And so uh, things like that that are really attention attention getting and are just straight up clickbait. We've got some. Uh, some some stunts where we're talking about building a little small house and setting it on top of a, a, a brush pile and just, you know, strict, strictly clickbait, hold my beer type of moments. But I think they'll be fun. And we're going to be doing those uh, uh, probably, uh, if, well, if we ever get some rain. And so, uh, <laughs> so those those have been put on the back. <laughs> those have been put on the back burner uh, for, for a little while. But um, it also strikes a common chord in the the news, you know, when you've got things like the, the Colorado fires, California fires, Maui fires. There's a mm -hmm. lot of these uh, devastating fires where that damage would uh, dramatically be uh, um, either prevented or minimized uh, if you've got a true building material that is uh, fire retardant to the point that it it is almost difficult and next to impossible to catch on fire. Uh, and then even if a fire does damage that property, uh, it does give the occupants uh, the, the time uh, to seek shelter. And then that's one of the biggest things is just that safety aspect of it all. That's amazing. And, you know, one of the things I learned at the Texas Hemp Summit last year that really surprised me is that hemp building materials are also mold proof. Is that correct? I remember a, a, one of the speakers talking about that's what kind of led him down this path was because um, his wife had been sick, I think, and had a bunch of health problems. And they finally um, narrowed it down to like yeah. a mold problem. And so... It's just very fascinating, all the benefits, you know, health benefits and the fact that it's natural um, says a lot about the possibilities. Yeah, there's a couple of ways to make it, but the most predominant way is mixing it with lime and water. And then the lime with the high alkalinity is the real rock star, pun intended. Uh, but what it does is uh, that lime is, is such a pH level to where if molds, uh, you know, does try to uh, produce spores and, and come out, uh, then it just dies on the spot. You know, same with anything else. I mean, you could throw a bag of COVID at the wall and it's going to die right there just because the alkalinity of it. 
And so that's what makes it so uh, mold proof and to reduce any of the toxins. So it actually cleans the air as it's coming into the house and it does breathe. It's vapor oh, wow. open. So air does come through. So it's it, it's kind of like the difference between when, when I say vapor barrier and air barrier, the best way I describe that is like if you were sitting around and were cold and you put on a sweater and you're inside, you're going to be warm. And then if you go outside uh, and the wind is blowing, well, now you're going to be cold again because there's holes in your sweater. Well, what would you rather put on a jacket that's a leather jacket or would you rather put on a jacket that's made out of a contractor trash bag? Well, at that point, everybody goes, oh, I get it, the leather jacket. It's vapor open, and my trash bag, even though I am I might still be cold, I'm going to be sweating and uncomfortable uh, because all of that uh, inside the trash bag that just gets held there. So houses need to be vapor open. Okay, that's a nice description. I've never <laughs> heard it described like that. So it's a kind of a new... Um, like segment of this industry that there's a lot of room for learning for myself and our viewers and our readers. Well, stay right there, guys. We're going to take a real quick break uh, for two minutes, Ray, and then we'll come back and I want to ask you about the, you just had a new class that you opened up on the 31st of August, just last week. So uh, I thought I might get you to give us some feedback on, on that latest enrollment and tell us a little bit more uh, about uh, the school that you've got going on. So uh, podcast 143, we're going to take another quick break here on the Texas Hemp Show, and we'll be back with our guest, Ray Cadelli here with the Hemp Building School. And uh, we'll be right back after this, guys. Texas Hemp Show. I'm drinking some George Jones and a bit of coke. Haggard's easing my misery. And Waylon's keeping me from home. Hank's giving me those high tides. The Texas Hemp Show is brought to you by your friends at CBD Pros USA, your cannabis experts. Right now, you can save 50% off any one product if you mention the Texas Hemp Show. That's right, 50% off anything on the online store menu. Nano tincture, watermelon gummies, our Brio Drip Moisturizing Cream, any single item, 50% off. That's CBD Pros. CBD is present in more significant quantities in hemp than marijuana. And because it's non-psychoactive, CBD is widely regarded as the cannabinoid with the most health potential by researchers. If you'd like to learn more about CBD and our products at CBD Pros, you can read our education page and browse some of our products to learn more. Visit CBDProsUSA.com. That's CBDProsUSA.com. Zar is a premium cannabis company in Texas. As Zar, we are assured that the, the quality is great for all of our products. Highest quality is super crucial. We always joke with our customers, hey, don't buy your sushi from a gas station. And you shouldn't buy your CBD from a gas station, right? It's all about quality, what the extraction process is. We're partnering with those types of companies, those individuals who maintain high quality hemp as well as high extraction processes and this helped ultimately our clients confidence and that's what we want to provide. SAR's mission is to help out our veteran community, our, our active duty members and to destigmatize cannabis and just help our communities uh, one consultation at a time. 
isn't this chance worth it to improve your quality of life? Because that's what we do here at Czar. We truly put people first. Welcome to Czar, where people come first. This is Ricky Williams, and you're listening to the Texas Hip Show. Hooker. Texas Hemp Shows, podcast number 143 this week here on the podcast. Russell Dowden here with the Texas Hemp Reporter Magazine. My co-host and lovely co-host, Rachel Nelson, joining us this week in studio. Good to see you again, Rachel. It's good to be here. Hey, uh, you, how was your trip? How was your evening at the... Oh, the boat. boat, The boat. Lone Star Boat. (laughs) Yeah, how Um, was that? It was so fun. They had such a great event. And what I didn't know is that the night of the party for the three-year anniversary of Austinite Cannabis Company was also Estella and Charles's wedding wedding anniversary. Yes. So it was a really special night. I did have a moment where I, like, overdosed (laughs) on weed. Like, I'm not kidding. (laughs) I'm not kidding. um, I was sitting right by the speaker. Uh, they, they had a DJ on deck and I'm sitting right by the speaker so there's like just a lot of stimulation happening around me and then like this guy handed me you know this hash hole do you know what that is no so a hash hole is basically like a cream filled donut for stoners kind of it's like a it's like weed rolled around hash and then this blunt also in addition to that had keef just like coating the outside So I hit that a few times and then everything's cool. And then I started to get kind of nauseous, like the seasickness. I feel like as the older I get, the more sensitive I am to like motion sickness. Wait till you're 50. Yeah. So I started (laughs) to feel kind of sick and then I started sweating and then Uh. like it was just the noise and the sickness like and I was like really stoned. And then I just kind of had a moment where I told my friend, I'm like, I don't feel so good. Like, <laughs> well, well, stay right there. We'll hear more from you. Let's finish with our guest uh, this week and be respectful of Ray Caderley's time uh, over here with the Hemp Build School. But uh, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show, uh, uh, Ray. I understand um, you guys had a recent enrollment. You were enrolling for the uh, Mastermind class. Uh, is that still going on? Are you busy with that right now? Yeah, it's launched and enrollment is still going. I was chuckling because the snow cone truck may be making its way around as well. So uh, um, <laughs> they've got our number and so they like to visit us. But yeah, that's a uh, that's a group. One of the things that we found out, and you know, I mentioned earlier that you guys are just doing such a great job sharing the uh, the the telling the story, and that's one thing that people need. It's like once they go down the rabbit hole, they need to get good information about like, hey, okay. I want this. They find the attributes. They find everything. Now what? Uh, then it's really tough to plug all the puzzle pieces together. And then there's a few folks that have started building in the country, and we've all come together uh, with that level of experience to uh, share what we know collectively. But there's no exhaustive resource for how we build in the U.S. And so that's what we're out to create through this mastermind because. Uh, there's just a lot of questions that everybody has along the way. 
Well, that's what your specialty really is, is teaching people how they can get the products and purchase the products to to do their own build projects. I noticed that the, the homeowner class kind of is a is a, probably maybe a bit beginners and then your 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 hip build school mastermind pro and job shop workshop ray is probably more of an intermediate and then you've got the master pro which is probably for someone who's already taken the other two courses and then is learning more as they progress with uh their understanding of how they can can build with hemp uh is that a fair assessment oh yeah the two Classes are pointed at each other. And so, uh, you know, you've got your background music. I've got mine. But uh, um, I like it over here. And so, uh, yeah, the two classes are pointed at each other because uh, what we're finding is those who have come on the scene that are actually doing this as a trader, as a professional, whether it's the design side or on the fulfillment side, Mm -hmm. uh, there's certain things that you know. And once you know, then you go through the phase and the process of now you have to explain all of that uh, to each and every uh, customer that you're courting. And so that can be, uh, you know, imagine going through all the FAQs all the time on a, a high level detail. Uh, and then that's difficult and it's difficult on the professionals. And it's also difficult for the consumers as well, because there's all these questions that they've got. And then it, it's a matter of, uh, you know, it, you need to get track of all the people, you know, like I'm on a job site, you know, it's hard when you're sweating into the phone to answer a question and have any good detailed conversation. And so what we've done is we come together and we take all that expertise and then we put it into one mastermind group to where all of the pros can come together mm-hmm. and become better pros and be unique for the U S building systems. And then all the pros can come together and support all the people that want to build their own home. And then uh, the it's kind of uh, how the mastermind works. It's a little bit like a progressive dinner. And so all of the consumers come on first and then uh, the pros are in there as well. And that's on purpose. So everybody can socialize, but everybody can also chat and get questions answered. And then we have like a, um, a little bit of a, a school type scenario, but it's really where we're talking about what we worked on during the previous two weeks. And so we meet mm-hmm. in person online, uh, and then we have our uh, uh, have our own uh, a time after that uh, to discuss it, and then that'll give us the questions for the next week. And so what we're going to do is, in the process, we'll get very good at creating that resource material. Now that resource material could be a video, it could be pictures, it could be a technical drawing, it could be any type of resource that we've got. And then, but we'll all plug that in, and then that'll continue to develop. Like I said, it's unique for the U.S. versus uh, where they've been doing this in the U.K. and France for you know decades, but it's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then, a lot of what I like to say is we need to be on that pathway to production because it's only if we do this on the production scale do we get the economic and the ecological benefit to all of this. And so that environmental stewardship really takes place when construction paradigms change. And then you've got people like D.R. Horton, Lennar, KB Holmes, all of those where these whole subdivisions come on. And then everybody who wants it, you know, once you learn about it, you pretty well want it. But now you don't know where to get it. There's no Uh, downside. Very similar to when cannabinoids. They get, when when I remember talking to Bob and Alex at the Hemp uh, Building Association a few years ago, they were uh, having meetings and trying to get with the, 
um, I don't know if it was the buildings. I don't remember what the name of the organization was. Uh, maybe you can refresh my memory, Ray. But it was they what were was trying to get the ESPN? standard. What was it? The, the standards of, of getting construction, I don't know if it was NIST, National Institute, I don't know if it was, it was the building side of getting commercial building going so that those home builders, you know, can have access to these materials. Yeah, and so a lot of the things are happening on the, the I, I, I use the word governing side loosely. Mm. Um, it's more like the guiding regulatory side and industry standards side. Um, ASTM is uh, is a good example. Uh, they established a lot of uh, building standards, and they have a whole uh, can, uh, cannabis committee, the D37 uh, committee, which has subcommittee on fiber and grain, and then that's where a lot of that work is being done. And if you ever want to go uh, sit in a, a really exciting meeting, don't go to those. those committees are, <laughs> you know, they'll talk an hour about you know one word or another. But I tell you what. It's the stuff like that that is so necessary for the industry to grow, and that's where everybody comes together that's, uh, that are all the stakeholders, and that's where they spend the 30 minutes to an hour to talk about <laughs> so that when it goes out the door, it's clear, because if you're not clear, uh, then uh, you, know, you confuse. Uh, yeah. If you confuse, you lose, and so uh, that's one of those things. And then the other things, and we just got passed into the IRC codes, which is more for residential housing, and then that'll make way for things going in for adoption and then for commercial codes. And so a lot is happening that's very exciting. And then the U.S. Hemp Building Association uh, j uh, just approved and is in the motion to get a uh, commercial guide spec. Because if you're an architect and then now there's these codes that come out and you're reading those. And if you've never been around this stuff and you've never seen it mixed up and in a wall or anything like that, you're going to be clueless. Guide <laughs> spec will help you. Uh, get exactly where you need from reading that code into uh, into something that'll uh, be useful on a on an application level. Ray, can you? But then those are just some examples. Ray, you mentioned a second ago on that D thirty seven committee, uh, the uh, ASDM uh, ASDM. Is that? Can you uh, tell the listeners and myself, for my own curiosity, what that the what those stands for? American uh, Structure Design or something like that? The, that organization. Yeah, it's yeah, it's ASTM. O T. Uh, T is in Tango, and it's the American. Yeah, man, you're embarrassing me. I forget off the top. Of my <laughs> okay, brain. I thought and I would so, throw that uh, at you. Um, but uh, yeah, just type in ASTM.org and you'll find it. And then the the D37 uh, is the committee, and D3707 is the subcommittee on on fiber and grain. And I'd, I'd, I'd hate to wager a guess um, of, on exactly what the acronym stands for, but it's the governing, like if you go in and you walk through Home Depot and you look at a bag of cement or a bag of lime or mm -hmm. at any type of anything uh, that is sold, it'll have that ASTM uh, designation on it to where everybody got together in the industry and then everybody... Uh, agreed that this is what we'll put out there and this is what standard that we'll hold ourselves to so that whenever that product goes out there, it's consistent for the market. And then uh, you can have, you know, it's not just one manufacturer saying something different than another. Uh, everything is consistent and you have to jump through the hula hoops and we all agree what hula hoops we all have to jump through. And so now one of the things that's exciting that we'll be doing is having uh, a spec 
or some sort of, uh, hey, if I want to buy hemp herd for my construction project, what do I buy? How do I know what's good? And the main, there are some considerations, uh, but there needs to be a process to where, you know, that processing facility can run it to a third party or run it through a process to where it either it either passes or it doesn't. I don't ever take your word for it. Uh, you never take mine. Uh, we, you know, if it either is or it isn't. And so that's what we need right now. And that's one of the next biggest things that's going to be coming down the pipe. And Ray, are, are the builders starting to use this at all? I, you know, I haven't, I know I did a story a couple of years ago on Gail Moran, who had done a, a building project in 2006 or seven. She oh, built, yeah. she built a chapel there in East Texas. You probably know of this, uh, the mm-hmm. work that she did. She was kind of one of the first here in Texas to build a, um, a beautiful structure. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm just curious, are the builders starting to play with this? You mentioned some of those home, um, you know, home builders like Lennar and and others that, that, that is this stuff available to them? Are they aware of this or uh, how cost effective is it for the builder to go hempcrete with some of the structures? Right. Yeah, it's uh, it's available. It's ready it's possible but we're not there yet okay. as an industry we're really close and it's coming. We're fast approaching it and i'll tell you where we're missing but gales is a good example of about uh, just the different motivations you know so the first hemp, uh, house built in the united states the motivation was health because uh, they had a sick child uh, my motivation is for efficiency and uh, performance uh, you know longevity uh, because that's money in my pocket as a real estate investor and broker and then now with Gail Moran, she was like, you guys are saving the planet. I just thought it was beautiful, and I wanted that old world look. And then she built a, a you know, beautiful chapel. We had a, mm-hmm. um, a, uh, um, a workshop there at Gail Moran's house. And then, uh, you know, they've, they've got some nice statistics on that as well about how it performs because they did some measuring a lot like we're going to do here uh, with how it regulates the relative humidity and of the, the comfort levels in the house. You know, I'm really excited about being able to test out the noise because we've got jets flying overhead all the time. So we got Lackland Air Force Base. We're right here in the pattern for the C-5s and the fighter jets doing all their training maneuvers. And so uh, everybody has a different motivation on why they like it. Uh, production builders, getting back to the production builders, their motivation is 100% pragmatic. And then they are going to give the market what it wants and then as the market, the more we're informed and the more shows like yours are out there and the more people see it and hear it and they know the attributes of it, um, then uh, it, it's a natural thing to want. And then we're Americans, whatever we want, the market gives it to us. And then, you know, just want the right things for the right reasons and everything will happen. Yeah, there's Gil's house or the, the chapel that was there. Yeah. And so now... The supply chains are going to be coming on very strong. There's uh, uh, almost half a dozen that are opening up over the next, uh, you know, within the past two months to the next three or four months that I know of. uh, And there's a lot of others that are waiting in the wings. There are thousands of acres that are being considered that aren't being grown, but there's a lot of folks that are watching what, uh, what happens and what is going to happen. And then, uh, you know, there were some bumps in the road with, uh, with CBD production and a lot of farmers are real cautious, but now they're, they're able to look at it objectively 
and then now that the dust has settled on CBD and, and all mm-hmm. of the other cannabinoid side, and yeah. that's kind of leveled out, and that's kind of getting back into normalcy. And it wasn't a, it's not as much as a feverish gold rush. It's just kind of uh, like I say, my, my goal is to make work boring and things on a day to day basis. Uh, they can <laughs> and should be boring. And the only exciting thing is just how how stable and predictable it is. Now, you know, there's still a lot of regulatory and political wranglings around it uh, that breaks my heart uh, on the cannabinoid side of things. And then. Uh, but the adoption into uh, into production is going to take place, and it's going to be market-driven. Uh, the developer dictates the development, but the developer is only developing what the market wants. And so if the market speaks loud enough, then uh, we're going to get what we want. And, you know, just speaking of the market, um, how can people, how can more, like, investors get involved in making this a reality? Yeah. You know, mine is a simple investment. You know, it's just like when we were playing Monopoly as kids, you know, you buy a couple of houses, a hotel if you can afford it, and then hope your sister lands on Boardwalk. And so (laughs) what I'm doing right now is just uh, building a house, holding it as a rental property. Um, I'm uh, working to give a pathway to ownership if that's something that uh, people desire. Uh, But for the most, uh, most part, it's just, you know, a good, straightforward home. And we're building this in an affordable um, mm-hmm. scenario, in an affordable price range to where uh, you're not going to have the bachelorette party here at this house. You're going to just live here. It's going to be a good home. And a lot of folks, if you're renting, sometimes you just have to get what you get and don't throw a fit. And then there's deferred maintenance, landlords or you know, only doing the minif- minimum uh, maintenance on things. And so there is mold in the house. There are shortcomings in the house. Uh, this is going to be a true asset that'll be, you know, done right and finished right. This will be a hundred year product instead of something that needs to be renovated in 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so that's one of those pathways that we're on. And, you know, but as far as investors building houses like that, you know, every, everything I do, everything I look at, you know, this house behind me, uh, any of the funds that we're launching out, uh, any processing facility. There's a lot of opportunities for investment, but I look at uh, any scenario like that back with real estate, like a magic box to where if you put a dollar in, more than a dollar comes back out, you'd buy that box. The scenarios are out there. Uh, and, you know, without, you know, uh, touting any investments and stuff that I offer, just know that I do offer them and then several others do as well. And then that can be everywhere from, you know, building a house to hold uh, or private money lending or investing in a sophisticated hedge fund or anything like that. They're out there. Nice. Um, You know, the the million dollar question here is like, how affordable is it for someone to buy a home made, you know, from hemp? Um, You know, you say it has like a longer lifespan, but does you know do you kind of pay for that up front in the price of the home and you know can we expect the prices to fall as it becomes more mainstream yeah and so that's a real good question and right now all i would say is that it's competitive but it's more and it depending on how much more and i would say like 10 to 30 percent more depending on uh how complex your design is mm-hmm. and then a lot of logistics. Now, I'm able to come in and compete, and it's not actually more because I'm doing a lot of things in-house. Uh, we're doing our foundation and our frame, which we could sub those out, uh, but we like to do them because then there are some specific details that are very unique to the 
um, to the hempcrete that we like to do ourselves. So we make sure and get them right. And mm -hmm. it's more affordable if we can do those things in-house. Now, the two main things that we're doing in-house are the hempcrete installation and the plaster. And so there are no subcontractors that are available on a, you know, a ready notice. Uh, and so what we can eventually, the more training we do, like the mastermind group, like there's a lot of apprentice pro, uh, scenarios that you can do uh, to where you can jump in, learn, and be capable of doing, well, then uh, the, the easier it is for you to pick up the phone book or for your general contractor to have a set of subs that they know that do hempcrete, it's just going to be another thing. What do you want? Do you want fiberglass bat insulation? Do you want spray mm. foam? Do you want wet blown cellulose? Do you, do you want hempcrete? And then it's just kind of a menu item at that point. And then insulation contractors will offer this. There'll be unique uh, hempcrete subcontractors. Uh, and then general contractors will build out the specialization and they'll train their subs to accommodate their specialization. R right. right now, it, I would say it's about 10 to 30% more. Well, you know, that might improve. Has any developers, I mean, you're in the real estate side of this. I think I think that at some point in the, the coming years, as this gets more popular, you might see uh, the millennial generation, my kids' generation, Ray, they, they are very uh, conscious awareness about sustainability. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, has anybody in, the, in your group or thought have uh, an idea of a sustainability neighborhood that you know, a subdivision that's just only for uh, these with these projects like this for the hemp homes. It seems like um, while they might be a 15 percent more expensive to build uh, the the attractiveness of a neighborhood for a younger generation mm -hmm. that's socially conscious or, yeah. about that. It seemed like that would be a good sell. A tiny home uh, community. And I'm only going to charge you a two percent commission on that, Ray, if uh, you pass <laughs> that around to your your buddies. Well, it's if you're if you're building out a whole neighborhood, uh, it would level out, and my gut is that it would become cheaper, cost-wise, within a year's worth of developing a mm -hmm. whole subdivision. And so, right now, it's more because there's things there's there's things you have to go through. There's hassles and headaches. As the market demands those headaches be met, then the market will mature. And then my gut is this premium product will cost less. And so it'll be better and it'll be cheaper. And then it also stewards the environment. And so, yeah, those development scenarios like this, that's why I'm building on infill lots here in San Antonio, because, you know, I could buy, you know, 20, 50 lots just within the surrounding area and just build. I don't have to go out and develop land. And then, you know, I'm doing some other stewardship things like having it be two story instead of one story. So you've got more green space and you can utilize your green space. There's a couple of layers to this onion as far as the environmental stewardship that we're doing. But one number that I like to throw out that people can just hang their hat on is that I'm standing in front of 20,000 pounds of sequestered carbon. And so not every house can say that. And it's permanently sequestered in this house as long as this house will stand. And it should stand for over 100 years. And so that 20,000 plus or minus pounds per house is a nice carbon footprint number that people want to hold on to. Well, very good stuff, Ray. That's about all the time, man. I've, I've got to wrap with the show as that, that the hour has flown by already. But, man, I really want to do something positive for this side of the space and, and do a cover in the next two or three issues. I think we really need to 
uh, dedicate to the building side of this plant and, and speak to the the uh, the industry that that you're involved in. Uh, you know, and, and, and it's just a good thing that we, we had on Frank last week talking about this same thing and, and Lucas Evans and some of the things that he's involved in. Um, we don't highlight this side mm -hmm. of the plan enough sometimes, mm -hmm. and I think we, we overlook it. And, uh, but this, the, we're all kind of navigating the waters, and uh, uh, we would love to maybe, if you might consider just emailing or getting back to me, Ray, about a, a cover maybe here this fall or something down the road we'd like to do something maybe for you guys in december or, or january where we you know profile the building side of this i think it's uh, important for the industry oh perfect yeah well fire off your website uh, and, and there's and, a lot of exciting things it'll be the website is uh uh yeah hempbuildnetwork.com is mine and then the school is hempbuildschool.com and then uh and so yeah there's a lot of exciting things that are happening over the next three to six months that will uh just come in waves that will uh smooth things out and make it not only possible but simpler to build and so we're really excited about those and i look forward to sharing them with you so you can share them with your audience y'all are doing a very important role well thank you and so are you ray and the work that you do is there an event that you're going to be at coming up can we uh, maybe look to see you at the hemp summit in november or maybe at the harvest festival i know you had a booth next to us the first year a that's where we met yeah 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 this sure did are you going to be at the uh new one here yeah, coming yeah, up I, I may um i know uh when we were in austin uh to do our panel at south by southwest uh, there's just a lot of excitement in austin mm -hmm. and in austin has a culture of supporting things like this uh, you know natural building and sustainability and all of that and then the efficiency and it's just cool as hell and so when you uh, put all those together, we, we like being around Austin. So, yeah, the, the Harvest Festival is going to be one we're going to try to make. Uh, but we're really focused on, like I said, the more boring type of events to where it's one thing for the cannabis industry to talk about construction. It's another thing for the construction industry to talk about hemp. And so uh, we, we go to those places where you talk about things like, you know, uh, load bearing coefficients and and ratios and all of that but we do like to go to the fun parties as well <laughs> well we uh we need to come and, and stick it out with you on some of the boring ones too just to show our support for the great work that you're doing and thank you for everything and 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 being a um a, a you know a champion for this side of the plant and and uh, we look forward to having you on and, and working with you and, and maybe seeing you this fall at the uh at the hemp harvest festival uh our guest uh, uh ray cadillary from the uh hemp building school there thank you so much my friend Thanks for having us on. All right, there he goes. Uh, a hemp build network. Check him out online, guys. I don't know. Uh, I didn't ask him if I could give his number out, but I have it. It's on the website there. Check him out. But uh, Rachel, great show this week. I, got, I wanted to get a little more of your story of your trip over there, but uh, uh, you had good. fun. You had Just fun. Just a mild, inconvenient little panic attack, but I was fine <laughs> after that. <laughs> well, good show. Uh, who do we have next week on? I've got. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll get them on, and and I, I can't make it out what uh, what that says over there, but we've got a show for you next week, I promise. <laughs> it's Texas Hemp Show. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah.